Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy. Now, I know that this is a pretty late episode, um, but I've had other stuff going on. I understand how you, I hope you understand how life goes sometimes, but I did want to continue to just put out an episode to talk about everything that happened this week because there was a lot that happened and I wanted to discuss it still. So of course I have your news and gossipish, which is power packed with lots of, um, juicy stuff and secrets and whatever and I have the opportunity to talk about my experience um at comic-con where I had my first ever hardy wrestling podcast fan table and I'm going to talk about the things that I enjoyed and didn't enjoy so much about wrestling this week um so I hope you enjoy this episode and I hope this gives you a little bit of an escape from a lot of the crazy things that are going on in the world right now and I hope that you're being healthy and being safe and being your best self so with that in mind enjoy this chill positive and passionate episode of the hardy wrestling podcast all right so in news and gossipish there was a lot that took place this week um in the world of wrestling on social media and in the news and everywhere else so of course we want to start with one of my favorite superstars in wwe um deciding not to renew their contract um and this is and this is cesaro who used to be known as um antonio cesaro but then they shortened it to cesaro but either way he was a very decorated champion in wwe and he was there for a very long time like I believe at least from maybe 2000, for as far as I can remember, maybe 2009, you know, up until now. And the news broke out um, this week, I believe in the middle part of this week, that he didn't renew his contract and that he's leaving. And this made me sad because the last time we saw him was on SmackDown two weeks ago. And he fought in a match against Happy Corbin, I believe, and he didn't come out the victor. But it's just the fact that I guess they really didn't have that much for him to do after that point. So he just decided not to renew. And it makes me sad that a lot of people are either departing from the company or are, you know, being released and stuff, you know, within the past couple of months. Um from like towards like the middle part of 2021 into 2022 there's just been a lot of shuffling going on and a lot of people questioning you know where they're going to go in wrestling with their careers and how they're going to continue with it after being at the big the big top circus known as WWE and Cesaro is one of them and it made me disappointed because it felt like just this time last year he was in place to face off against Roman Reigns and prove that he was just as good enough to be universal champion which in a lot of people's minds he was like he was one of my favorites to win the money in the bank briefcase last year even though it did go to Big E which I wasn't upset about it was just the fact that he had so much potential to be a world champion at least two or three times but it just never happened happened and it's such a shame because he you know was a great showman he was an athletic you know super freak like he could lift people and lift things that were like super heavy like I'll never forget the time he won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royale at a Wrestlemania and he lifted that whole trophy by himself like he was just so strong and he was just so dominant after a certain point but he wound up never being champion and it's such a shame 
Um, but it's not really a shame because the wrestling market outside of WWE, you know, is still very much open. So there's still so much for him to do. But there is a rumor um, this I can't confirm or deny this rumor um, that WWE didn't make him a big contract offer. So according to Dave Meltzer, who we do still have to take with a grain of salt these days, um, that Cesaro leaving the company was more of a WWE decision than a Cesaro decision since WWE offered him a deal that he did not like. And he also added um, that WWE's contract offer didn't approach the offers to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn when the company convinced them to resign. And PWInsider.com also reported that Cesaro had left WWE after he and the company were unable to come to an agreement and it was noted that there is no 90-day non-compete clause since his contract expired rather than him getting released. And then Meltzer followed up on Friday reporting that Cesaro had yet to receive an offer from AEW, although he didn't rule out the possibility of AEW making a play for him. And so... I'm really disappointed, but like I said earlier, you know, the grass is still, you know, green for Cesaro wherever he decides to go. So I do wish him, you know, the very best, you know, in whatever it is he decides to do. So yeah, Cesaro, um, me here at the Hardy Wrestling Podcast will always love you. And I'm pretty sure my listeners will always love you too. So it's going to be okay for him. Also in the news, we have um, AJ Styles re-signing with WWE. Now, apparently there's this huge rumor that he had a really big contract um, offer in terms of what he would be offered in terms of staying with, you know, WWE. So um, he got a lot of compensation according to Fightful Select. AJ Styles' WWE contract was set to expire in the spring or the summer, but he recently signed a new deal that is expected to pay him over $3 million per year. Boy, that sounds really hefty, and that sounds really nice. I would like $3 million <laughs> right about now. That would be great, but it's okay. Um, Fightful also reported that Styles um, will receive some additional perks as part of the contract, including extra bus travel accommodations. So um, I believe in one of his interviews that he may have had, um, I believe on Out of Character with Ryan Satin, that he would want to retire with the WWE, which I don't, I don't necessarily see as a bad thing because there's a lot of good things he's done in WWE. He's been a champion. He's, he's been a WWE champion. He's been a tag team champion and he does stuff that he, you know, enjoys. And there are times where he also takes newer stars under his wing. So I don't necessarily feel that that's a bad, you know, choice for him if that's where he wants to end his career, because, you know, he is 44 years old, not saying that that's old um for certain people but I know sometimes in terms of athleticism a lot of people feel like oh well that's too old and, da, 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 and maybe he's gonna wrap it up soon but I'm not gonna say that because he still puts on amazing matches there are lots of people who are over the age of you know 30 who still put on amazing matches like him and like Ray Mysterio and so many others so um as long as he's happy with staying with WWE and if they want to give him more then that's fine so hey AJ Styles is still at the big top circus and that's really all that matters so yeah that's great for him 
Also in the news, we have um, Eric Bischoff not being surprised at the news of Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes leaving WWE. So he said this on his um, 83 Weeks podcast. Um, and basically, he said he gave his take on Rhodes leaving the company. And this is what he said, quote, I'm not surprised, not nearly as surprised as everybody else is. And it's not because I have any inside information or speak to Cody. Cody and I text back and forth every couple of months, maybe. I was more surprised that Cody left WWE. Let's think about that for a minute. You're 30 years old and on the biggest stage in the world in your particular industry. Yeah, you might be saddled with a character or a gimmick you don't like, but guess what? You're making damn good money that you could probably retire on in five to 10 years if you're smart. But he was willing to walk away from that because he wasn't satisfied. It reminded me of his dad, which I think is a very deep thing to say because Dusty Rhodes, you know, that's the American dream. And his father, you know, he was that guy. So they're both very much known for taking their own place and doing what it is that they want to do in their career on their own terms. So I know I was very surprised when he left AEW um, in the sense that it's just like I said in my last episode, you know, this is a company that he helped start. And before he even started AEW, he left and he wanted to be taken seriously more so as a wrestler than as a character that he was doing in the form of Stardust. And I appreciated that from him. And I appreciated him winning titles everywhere, like with Global Force Wrestling and doing stuff with Impact and also with the NWA and such. And then charting off and starting his own company, right? But I guess, you know, with him, he just wanted to make a decision that felt a little bit better for him and be somewhere where he felt like he fit in a little bit more. And if he is choosing to go back to WWE, then I wouldn't be mad about it. WWE has already hinted a little bit about um, Cody Rhodes possibly returning to them um, on television. And I'll talk more about that and what I liked about wrestling this week. But you know, Cody still hasn't said anything. He has still remained mum and so has Brandy. So we just have to wait and see. But you know, Eric Bischoff is Eric Bischoff and he's gonna say what he wants to say. So it's whatever. Also in the news, we have the news that Drake Maverick um, decided to return to WWE just in a different role. And this really surprised me this week. Um, so basically, even though Drake Maverick has been let go by WWE twice and brought back into the fold a number of times, he, um, it was emerged earlier this week that he re rejoined the company as a member of the Raw creative team about three or four weeks ago. And he since confirmed he rejoined WWE, um, on his LinkedIn page and he issued a new statement about his role. He said, quote, I am pleased to announce that towards the end of 2021, I accepted the wonderful offer of becoming a part of, of the WWE creative writing team as a writer slash producer. Some of my last appearances in ring for WWE fittingly happened in the UK, the United Kingdom. The last appearance of that tour was in my hometown of Birmingham, UK, um, United Kingdom, where it all started. My parents had seen me perform many times at arena shows, but never for the WWE. I finally was at peace with what I had accomplished in life and said to them both in the hotel with tears rolling down my face, beaming with pride, mom, dad, I did it. 
My final appearance in the ring was in Louisville, Kentucky, which was my first home in the United States when I moved to the country in 2013. This writes itself, doesn't it? After a fun and entertaining match with in involving a cavalcade of stars, we returned to the gorilla position with smiling faces and a round of applause. That UK tour ending with that night in Louisville, Kentucky was the most, re was the most rewarding week in my career. If you told me there and then that was the end, I was good with it. I now have the opportunity to expand my horizons even further in the industry I love as well as many other avenues including film and television. After a career beginning in, in 2001 as an in-ring performer, I have personally exceeded all of my personal expectations from a geographical and physical standpoint in a line of work somebody like myself should have never succeeded in. Needless to say, all thanks to the people I've had the pleasure of being around on the journey and this industry as a whole. I am blessed. I am in a blessed position in life. It owes me nothing, yet I owe it everything. Thanks for reading, James. And of course, James is his real first name. Um, so yeah, um, it's a pretty crazy journey for him because he joined WWE in 2017 and he worked in various roles because he was of course the general manager of the now defunct 205 Live in terms of its cruiserweight division um, and then he, of course he went to being a superstar and then he was running around with the 24-7 championship and he was let go um, in April of 2020 which was a very sad time during that point because that was when the pandemic was at its heaviest and that's when a lot of people were being let go and he was one of those people and he released a very emotional video talking about how sad he was about it but then he was brought back into the fold um by being re-signed by WWE in terms of NXT and the black and gold brand but then he was let go of last year um in November of last year signing budget cuts so I'm glad that he, you know, is at peace with everything he's done in his career, even performing in Birmingham, UK, um, in front of his family. And now he's okay with being on the creative team. And as long as he's happy and as long as um, his family is happy in terms of mom and dad and also his wife, Renee Michelle, who I've had the pleasure of meeting and commentating for on the Belladonna division, then that's all that truly matters. Whatever works for them and whatever is healthiest for them is all that matters. So congratulations to Drake Maverick. Also in the news, we have um, Montez Ford getting a co-sign on social media from The Rock. Now, <laughs> I love how this happened because on Montez Ford's interview that he had on Out of Character with Ryan Satin, he was talking about, you know, how much of an inspiration The Rock was to him when he was an early wrestling fan. Um, he talked about how The Rock was also not was not only just an inspiration for him, but also his entire family. He said The Rock was his favorite. And he said, I was already hooked. But in school, I would write my um, K's how he would sign his name, um, style, dress, electrifying everything he says he is just how he is as a person as well a huge inspiration to myself my family and getting us through so many hard and rough times going through personally that's why I hold true and dear to the rock in my heart um so upon hearing these comments and seeing this clip of this interview rolling around the rock took to social media to praise um Montez Ford and stuff he said just taking a moment this is the rock talking now 
Um, just taking a moment to tell this man, Montez Ford, how much I appreciate his kind and beautiful words. We've never shared the ring together, but pro wrestlers all have a very special bond. Pro wrestling is a very unique, intense, and wild culture that's not for everybody. When you love the wrestling business, you become very respectful about the wrestling business. And when you're respectful about the wrestling business, you become passionate, in all caps, about the wrestling business. It seeps into your DNA. Fans can always sense who's passionate inside that squared circle and who's not. This man is passionate. We share that DNA. And he flies like the superfly in terms of Jimmy Snooker. And he told him to keep kicking ass, brother, and give my love to your family. And when you become world champion one day, I'll be right there rooting you on. This blessed my soul. <laughs> this blessed my soul because, to be honest, I'm one of those people who is on the train of feeling like Montez Ford could be a world champion someday. He could very well be a universal or WWE champion or unified whatever is about to go on. Um, because he, outside of tag team wrestling, he just has all the charisma. He makes you laugh. He's so goofy. He can sing. Like, he just has so much charisma that just bleeds through the screen and makes you love him. So it's just like, I feel like Montez definitely has what it takes to be a future world champion. And the fact that he got co-signed by another great black slash Samoan superstar like The Rock just makes it, just makes it even more you know real for me like I want Montez to be champion I don't know if it has to happen this year or next year or even the next two or three years I don't care as long as it happens at some point then I will be so happy for that and then the fact that Montez and Bianca of course are married they're a married couple um that's a championship couple right there like seeing the both of them hold titles together hold world titles together would just give me all of the life and all of the feelings so big ups to Montez for for getting that co-sign from The Rock um and I also love how this happened the week of my one-year anniversary of being retweeted by The Rock um while watching Young Rock and complimenting his mother um and saying that she was everything and um I posted it on my social media channels where he retweeted and quoted the tweet saying everything and continues to be and saying that she is the true rock of our family. That was one of the most beautiful moments of my life. I screamed. I almost cried. I embarrassed my sister in front of her boyfriend. It was a whole vibe. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a, it's a vibe and I'm so happy that that happened for him. Um, and lastly in the news, I'm going to talk about this funny interaction that Bailey had with Rhea Ripley on Twitter after her match with Nikki A.S.H. So um, I thought this was really funny um, when I found it because it was just like, girl, like Bailey hasn't been seen on television, you know, since she got injured preparing for her Money in the Bank match with um, Bianca Belair when she was SmackDown Women's Champion. Right. And so we hadn't really seen much of her. So after that point, you know, you would think that maybe she would chill out and sort of, you know, take a break on Twitter or whatever, but she did it. And she's just been interacting with people, um, with various superstars on Twitter. And one of them was Rhea Ripley. She basically said like, so do you want a new opponent at some point? Like, are you going to be tired of fighting the same people, you know, or whatever she was like, and she tweeted her and said at Rhea Ripley, you ready for a new opponent yet or what? And then Rhea Ripley retweeted and commented and said, you volunteering to be my new punching bag? 
And I think this is interesting because we don't know where Bailey's going to end up when she comes back. Like she was on SmackDown, like I said earlier, and then she got injured and then the WWE draft happened, right? And so somebody, a lot of people that they did not announce who was going to be, you know, on various shows or whatever for the draft was Bailey, and then also Lacey Evans, who was out with maternity leave and, um, Asuka, who we haven't heard much about and, um, in a while too. So it's just like, where are these girls going to be? You know, a lot of people are gunning for Bailey to go on Raw, you know, for the new feuds with the types of Rhea Ripley and also reigniting a feud with Bianca Belair. Should she win the Raw Women's title at WrestleMania this year against Becky Lynch? So I think that would be interesting. Um, Rhea Ripley versus Bailey would be cool. Bailey's one of the four horse women. Rhea Ripley is always touted as one of the future superstars of the women's division in WWE. Um, and she is in desperate need of a new opponent because her fighting Nikki A.S.H. is kind of getting long in the tooth at this point. So yeah, I think that would be really cool. So that's all for news and gossipish. And now I'm going to talk about my Comic-Con experience with the Hardy Wrestling Podcast fan table. All right. So in this segment of the podcast, I want to talk about my experience at Comic-Con. I know um, I was really busy, you know, towards like... I was really busy with a lot of things in terms of Belladonna division stuff and then also preparing for um, Comic-Con towards the end of January and stuff. So I didn't really get a chance to talk so much, talk in depth about it because there was so much other stuff to talk about on my show. I was starting stuff off. I was doing interviews and all this other stuff. Um, So I didn't really get a chance to address, you know, what happened for the podcast in terms of the exposure that I got at Comic-Con. So for those, for my listeners who may or may not know what Comic-Con is, basically this is like a like a convention of sorts. Like, you, like when you think of a giant comic convention, except this one is, you know, stated, it's like stationed in Alabama and it's Alabama's largest um, anime convention. But the thing is, even though it is an anime convention, there are so many different people who have various tables there and various um experiences there you don't necessarily have to come you know dressed in just anime stuff like there's stuff you know for everybody there's all kinds of video game things there's all kinds of other nerd like things like in terms of other stuff that you might like like animation or star wars and stuff like that and um really for the first time I believe really for the first time ever they decided to incorporate more wrestling things as well and I figured since you know the Hardy Wrestling Podcast is still very much a new entity because it's just two years old um one of the things I thought about doing you know for this year in terms of expansion of notoriety for the podcast on a local and I and hopefully national standpoint um was having a table and getting the word out you know to other people who might be wrestling fans you know about the podcast so I decided to um apply for a fan table you know in the later part of last year and I got approved for it and I was really excited I was just like oh my god I got approved for this fan table you know 
it's not that I thought that there was any reason why they wouldn't, but at the same time, you just never know. And, um, y'all know me, I'm a humble being. So it's just like, I just, I just didn't know what was going to happen. So when they said yes, I was absolutely thrilled. Um, and like I said, they were incorporating more wrestling stuff into the Comic-Con, um, this year. They had AEW's, um, TNT champion, Sammy Guevara there, um, for meet and greets and for panels and stuff. And they also had his girlfriend, um, Ty Conti, who's a star in her own right there as well. Um, I was actually able to ask them questions in terms of a panel. Um, I was really nervous, but I did. And they actually like, and, um, Ty Conti liked my hair because <laughs> I had in the blonde locks if you may or may not have seen it on my social medias um my pictures that I had of my blonde locks and stuff so she actually complimented my hair and I thought that was cool so that was great um and of course in terms of other wrestling in terms of local independent wrestling you had new era um pro wrestling they had a wrestling show um in the main part on the main floor of comic-con um and it was also being sponsored by blurred over which is a podcast slash um llc company ran by michael blair um who decided to create a space for black nerds here in the state of Alabama or in Birmingham and stuff and he's done amazing he and his team have done an amazing job in terms of expansion um of their um brand and they basically help to you know get the word out about new era um wrestling and their um wrestling show that they were gonna have at comic-con for the, over the course of two days and i actually experienced some of the show and it was really great i enjoyed it and i saw a lot of people who i am interested in having on my show and even having on my show again because big smooth was there he's a former spartan wrestling champion and i had him on my show at the early you know in the earliest parts of the hardy wrestling podcast and i want to have him back you know just to have him on video this time because of course y'all know when i started the hardy wrestling podcast it was just audio and now it's you know grown into audio and video in terms of my interviews so if i can have him back that would be really great or if you ha are listening to this podcast you know and you were at that show or you performed in that show for new era pro wrestling please you know hit me up on social media so i can have you on because i'm very much interested this is an open door i would love to have you on but i really enjoyed being there and watching that show it was great to see wrestling get more exposure and then there were people in the audience, you know, who had never experienced a wrestling show before. Like I was in the audience and sitting in front of like these two girls who were very new to wrestling and they were reacting to everything and they were into it. And it was just really, you know, exciting for me as a person who's been in wrestling for so long as a fan to see new people get into it. Like that's the kind of stuff I enjoy. Like I don't have, you know, there are a lot of wrestling fans who might have sort of like a little bit of gatekeeper energy, which is something that people do talk about but I don't have that energy at all like if you're a new wrestling fan get into it you know like get into it you know if you find something that you find interesting about it get into it you know talk about it you know learn about it like do that like I love stuff like that it's great so I really enjoyed the new era pro wrestling show and I actually and so um I feel like I'm all over the place but um to go to my part in terms of having a fan table there it was me and my best friend cinnamon um and later on um my best friend cinnamon and her husband salvador shout out to them they helped me so much this weekend 
and they didn't even have to but they really chose to and they showed up for me in a big way and I really appreciated it. And my boyfriend showed up for me too in a different way as well um so we set up the table we got there we woke up early in the morning and got there that Friday um and also that Saturday and that Sunday like super early um and set up the table and everything like we they had tablecloths and chairs for us and I ordered a tapestry sign um with the logo of the podcast on there we set up a smart tv to show um a lot of my interviews and various matches some of my favorite matches and stuff on the smart television and stuff and then I had pens and business cards there I had like two sets of microphones there one that I use for audio and another one that I use for interviewing on camera like set up there and then I had another chair and I had um, my NXT UK women's title on the table later on as well and that drew in a lot of you know interest right you know when you have a table at these conventions You're hoping that people are coming to your table to engage with you and talk with you about what you've got going on, right? And so we were on the third floor and there was a lot of action on the third floor. They had a shop there. They had, you know, this Star Wars group there. They had this other group there that was um, centered on Resident Evil and their soldiers and stuff. Like that was really cool. So a lot of it, there was a lot of traffic coming in and out to the table, over the course of the weekend and I had such amazing like interactions with fans who were you know pumped about being at the convention itself and there were lots of different fans who were dressed in various cosplays and me and Cinnamon loved like she saw a lot of different anime um cosplays that she loved like with Jojo's Bizarre Adventure and so many other animes that she watches and stuff so it was good to see her get those interactions and stuff I let her borrow one of my (laughs) Bianca Belair wrestling t-shirts you know just so she could you know fit into the aesthetic of the fan table as a quasi wrestling fan um and stuff and she did her very best to tell everybody what was going on in the moments where I needed a break or if I was interested in seeing something else. So I do give her props for that. Um, I also was able to meet some of the wrestlers who participated in the show. Um, excuse me. Like the, I believe their name is the Fabulous Butterflies or something along that line but they were a tag team and they were like very flamboyant and stuff and they came to my table and that was really great there was another wrestler by the name of James Hardy who was able to come to my table because his wife and his I believe his mother and their baby came to visit our table because they saw the women's title that I had and they were really pumped about it and she was just like why didn't I come to this table you know immediately you know and she saw the title and was like you know my son is a wrestler and he's participating in the show downstairs you know maybe we'll have him come up and then the fact that we share the same last name made it even better because it's just like the Hardy last name is just really common (laughs) it's really common you know in the south I guess and because I've never really you know really seen any other people you know with the Hardy last name in any other parts of the country but definitely in the south um and then you have the Hardy boys you know Matt and Jeff they're from North Carolina so it's just like maybe just the Hardy you know name is just huge it's just meant to be this big deal in wrestling right so to meet you know their family and to meet his new 
now five month old baby Ophelia who I'm calling my cousin now she was the most beautiful baby oh my god guys I love babies um <laughs> so it's just like to be able to meet her and hold her like that was just the coolest thing on the planet like oh my god like meeting meeting everybody was just so cool and even meeting people who either were wrestling fans you know in their past or got into wrestling in different ways like through video games or watching it when they were younger or their parents or grandparents watched it and stuff like that like that was really cool too because I got to have conversations with some of those people who were really young um who looked like they could have been maybe as young as my sister or a little bit older than me or around the same age as me you know like those like those were the conversations I was living for I had a really great conversation about wrestling with um this couple who I believe lives in Pleasant Grove and they were dressed as Shigo and Dr. Dragon from Kim Possible. And, and that was just a really great conversation. Like they, I believe they either used to watch wrestling or never really watched it before full on. Um, or they got into it via video games and stuff. And I was telling them all the reasons why they could watch wrestling now and how big wrestling is and stuff. And they just enjoyed the conversation so much. And it was just really good to have. Then I met this really big group, oh my God, of teenagers from Tarrant, I believe, the Tarrant area of um, Jefferson County. They were so excited <laughs> to talk about wrestling with me, um, especially this one young guy. His name is Tyler, I believe, who follows me on Instagram now. Um, he was so excited to hold my women's title because he had never held a replica title before and he was just so excited and it was just the most precious thing like the excitement on his face like the joy that they had you know just you know just even talking about wrestling or seeing the title and stuff like that and talking about it with me it was just so nice to see them have that much joy and to see him have that much joy in holding a title he was just so excited he posted the pictures on Instagram and stuff and he thanked me in the comments and everything it was just so precious like oh my god <laughs> like I just love it when people get that excited about it and then I was able to interview a few people like Blurred Sunbay about her exposure into wrestling which had more to do with reality shows like Total Divas and Total Bellas like that's very valid even though a lot of people you know in the wrestling fan fandom have a tendency to sort of look down a little bit on the reality shows but a lot of people especially of the female dem demographic you know might not have ever paid attention to wrestling otherwise if it weren't for those reality shows right so like I said like that's where I feel like the gatekeeping behavior really has to stop because all of the new ways in which WWE or other you know wrestling promotions like AEW seek to pull in a new audience like with reality shows and stuff like that counts because that interests a lot of people you know there are a lot of people who might be interested in relationship stuff or like you know other ventures of stuff on television who might not know a lot about wrestling but they'll learn about it through those reality shows and that's how blurred sunbay got into it and she was dressed up as Flo. <laughs> she was working, um, I believe, photography for Comic-Con. And she has her own dim, her own um, platform called Blurred Sunbay. Please follow it on Instagram and Twitter if you find her. And she was dressed up as Flo from the Progressive commercials. And we had a really intelligent conversation about that. And it's on my YouTube, on the Hardy Wrestling Podcast YouTube channel. That YouTube, that interview is up there and then I also got to have another interview with Derek Huffman who was at the blurred over table and he had such strong opinions about where wrestling is headed now 
um, and also in terms of the women's division with Ronda Rousey. And we got to talk about that at, at the table too. It was a really, really long, great interview. So that's on the YouTube channel as well. So please look that up um, and watch those interviews because I was just really happy, even though, you know, a lot of people love the idea of talking to, you know, really famous wrestlers and stuff like that. I found that I love talking to fans um, as well because those conversations are valid. Like a lot of where wrestling goes, you know, depends a lot on how we feel as fans, especially with social media being utilized as a tool for it. Like, I love talking to fans and I loved having those experiences, you know, at Comic-Con. And I love that so many people came to my table so and visited and took buttons and took my business cards and took pictures of the table and stuff. And there was even this one lady who came and took pictures of my, um, business cards and took pictures of me and said and asked me how come I've never heard of you if you record here in Birmingham and slash Fairfield or whatever and I was like I don't know but she disappeared after that and I wish we found out who she was because she sounded like she was somebody important but um if she ever does hear this you know hit me up <laughs> hit me up on Instagram on on Twitter you know at Queen Steph Hardy and tell me what's up you know that's cool um, but yeah, like it was such a great experience to have, um, and talk to all those people about various fandoms and Star Wars and, and talking about wrestling and stuff. Like it was such a great experience and I loved my fan table and how neat it was, um, and stuff like that. Like it was just a really happy experience to have. Now, hopefully in the future, I'll be able to participate in more, you know, conventions like that, like Alabama Comic-Con. That's really the biggest one that's coming up where Lita and Trish Stratus are coming. Oh my God. Um, so that'll be cool. And then there's also the Magic City Con that takes place at the River Chase Galleria in Hoover. Like maybe I'll participate in that, but you know, some of these conventions, you know, have it to where you have to pay for stuff and, you know, y'all know people have to pay bills. So hopefully at some point I'll be at another convention or I'll be able to participate, you know, in just festival stuff that we have here in Birmingham. Um, like for maybe Juneteenth or something, because that's also a really great place for black businesses to sort of get their word out. Cause of course that's a national holiday. Now Juneteenth is, um, so maybe that'll, that's something I'm looking into. But, you know, it was a really great experience to have. Um, there were a couple of times where I did feel a little bit, you know, discontented. But at the same time, all of the great experiences that I had at Comic-Con, you know, I wouldn't trade for anything else in the world. So hopefully I'll be able to do something like this again soon um, and get more of the word out locally and maybe nationally about the Hardy Wrestling Podcast because this show deserves that platform and it deserves that notoriety so um here's to the hardy wrestling podcast and its continued success in conventions in my room on the streets at smackdown jesus in another week or so <laughs> um like hopefully maybe i'll be doing interviews there with fans so if you're outside after um the smackdown show and if i do decide to do interviews um, there, come visit me, you know, I'll be the girl with the giant light on, hopefully, um, and a microphone talking about what's going on, and hopefully I'll be live or something, but if I don't do it, don't be sad, I'll still talk about it on the show, but, you know, I've been trying to figure out if I want to go as a fan or go on an official basis, I don't know, we'll see, 
But yeah, that's my Comic-Con experience. Um, If you were there and if you were listening to this episode, you know, you can comment on this episode or share the clips of this episode where I talked about you. And yeah, we can just, you know, talk about how much of a good time we had together. So that's the end of this segment. And now I'm going to go to what I loved in wrestling this week. All right. So something different that I'm going to be trying um, with this um, podcast is that I'm going to actually talk more about the things that I loved in wrestling on various wrestling shows as opposed to doing like full on recaps. Um, So hopefully, you know, if you like this format, you know, please let me know. But if you don't, then that's fine, too. But I'm just going to try and talk about all the things I loved on various wrestling shows throughout the week. And we're just gonna go into it so first off I'm gonna do raw of course because that's just the first (laughs) that's the first show so I'm gonna talk about what I loved I loved the interaction that Becky and Bianca had um Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch had um on raw after um Bianca came out victorious in the elimination chamber match so now she is set to face off against Becky Lynch for the raw women's title at Wrestlemania um so this promo was pretty fire in the sense that Bianca came out and she was set to have a match with Dewdrop afterward and she was really you know talking about how much how excited she was you know to be able to go to Wrestlemania again and make that opportunity for herself again um and stuff like that and just how confident she is going into that right so here comes Miss Becky coming to the ring or whatever and she starts talking to her about, you know, how, you know, cool it is that you had that, that you, you know, won or whatever. But at the end of the day, I'm still better than you because I beat Lita, you know, somebody I loved. So you can only imagine what I'll do to somebody that I despise. And she flat out said, you know, I don't like you, Bianca. You know, I can't stand you. And she was talking about how she was the first one you know to main event wrestlemania in terms of her ronda rousey and charlotte because of course they were the first women to main event wrestlemania which is a good thing um but it's so funny that she was doing that and also riding the whole the old horse of beating bianca belair in 26 seconds of SummerSlam or whatever and bianca was saying yeah you may have main event at wrestlemania but i but i actually did it better which is true <laughs> which is 100 true um because when you think when you think about Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey and Charlotte, this is no discounting to all those three women because I'll never tear down women or whatever. But when you look at the match, the match was good, but the way that it ended wasn't as decisive um, because, of course, it was this weird, you know, cover that Becky Lynch had on her where a lot of people were debating whether or not Ronda had both her shoulders on the mat. It was just a lot going on, but we were sort of forced to go along with the idea that Becky won fair and square and she became Becky two belts after that, right? Um, Whereas with Bianca and Sasha Banks, that match was really great, you know, even though it was those two women and the buildup may not have been as spectacular as the buildup as the triple threat was, but at the same time, they made lemons out of lemonade like us black women tend to do all of the freaking time. Um... 
and made that match one of the best matches of the year regardless to whatever awards that people like to give out for best matches of last year that was one of the best women's matches of the year and on top of that they made history as being the first two black women to main event of wrestlemania you know how long that took a, a really long ass time so before Becky has a tendency to talk about oh well my main event was better than your main event no let's talk about the idea that Bianca and Sasha made more history than you know that one that you were in and then on top of that it actually gained more success in the sense that it won lots of attention it allowed bianca and sasha to be the most searched women on social media outlets like twitter throughout the year towards the end of the year they did that and then on top of that they won the sb for best wwe moment that women's main event that becky participated in did not win that sb that year because Roman Reigns, you know, came back with his announcement that his cancer was in remission and that rightfully won the ESPY that year. Um, so Becky loves to ride that horse and talk about how she was the first one to do blah, blah, blah. But really, um, Bianca and Sasha's main event was the better one. And it was more decisive in the way that Bianca beat Sasha Banks with the KOD and with a whip <laughs> of her braid and covered her for the one, two, three and decisively won it. UK it's like when you go back in history and look at that match there is no questioning Bianca's winning streak and how she won that match she won it fair and square so there and then she loves to bring up the 26 seconds like ma'am that was your first match since you had your baby so no one okay okay you beat her in 26 seconds with a busted ass rock bottom which is what I call it and I'm, I'm never gonna call it the manhandle slam it's a busted ass rock bottom but whatever um Bianca was just here to let Becky know like you know how all this stuff about you talking about all that was just trash and plus on top of that Becky was also trying to talk about how she told her to go to the back of the line or whatever and Bianca went to the back of the line but every but when she went to the back of the line she went in with a with an intense amount of focus and decided to beat everybody that she came in contact with including Charlotte who was on there including Liv and Dewdrop and Zelina and Carmella she beat that entire women's division and did what she had to do to work her way back up to the top of the ladder so she went to the back of the line and worked her way back up to the front of the line boo she is the front and not the back she is the head and not the tail she is above and not beneath so y'all ain't finna play Bianca Bianca is in this main is she may not be in the main event for Wrestlemania this year for the Raw Women's Championship but you best believe that this is going to still be a good match it is going to be decisively won by somebody hopefully Bianca because she deserves her revenge and she wound up beating Dewdrop later on that night too by lifting her up <laughs> and hitting her with the KOD yet again, which proves that she is the strongest. And while Becky was on commentary that night, watching this match, she didn't interfere for once in her life. Um, and she watched as Bianca was dominant over Dewdrop. But this match between Bianca and Dewdrop was really good. Even though we've seen them fight multiple times before, it was still really good and really intense. So big ups to Dewdrop, but Bianca came out the winner and Miss Becky was bothered. 
she was upset she she tore off her headset after the match was over and then she had to just you know pose and posture on top of the commentary table with the title because you know you better bask in however time left you got with that title because ma'am you finna lose it but whatever um another thing that i liked about raw was Tommaso Ciampa and Finn Balor being a tag team against the Dirty Dogs. Now, this, of course, fed into the feud that Ciampa and um, Dolph Ziggler had in terms of NXT 2.0, in terms of them trying to figure out which one of them was going to face off against Braun Breaker for the NXT title. Um, and this match was really good. I was actually proud that Tommaso Ciampa was able to, you know, show more of himself on the main roster, even though he has done it before, but they tried to basically erase that, but don't erase that. We know it happened. Like we remember stuff. Don't do that. They stay trying to make it seem like we dumb, don't remember stuff, but whatever. This match was really good. And then seeing Finn Balor come back and be his partner was really good too. It was almost like old black and gold NXT times. It was great. Um, but then of course this would turn out, you know, to bite them in the butt on Tuesday night on NXT 2.0. But Ciampa and Finn Balor wound up winning. But I felt like Ciampa wasn't getting a lot of interaction from the crowd, which made me a little bit upset. But then again, you can't really be as upset because everybody doesn't watch NXT um, 2.0 like that. You know, they're still growing their casual audience, I guess. But still, it was a little bit upsetting. They got a lot. They got very excited for Finn, but didn't get as much pumped for Ciampa. But it's okay. So that was another part that I liked about Raw. And then I definitely loved Angelo Dawkins' performance in his tag team match um, as the Street Profits against Alpha Academy. That was really good. And I feel like a lot of time, a lot of the praise you know, goes towards Montez Ford because he has the full package in terms of charisma and athleticism. But Angelo Dawkins really does have a solid athletic base as well. And we should praise him a whole lot more for what he does in the ring. He did a really good job in the moments where Montez wasn't able to perform. So he did a really good job, even though the Street Profits wound up, I guess, losing to the Alpha Academy. But either way, it was still a good match and Angelo deserves kudos for his performance. And I also liked RK Bro versus um, KO and Seth Rollins. I guess because of the idea that this match was also really good, but it leads, but it begs the question what is going to happen with RK Bro now? Because they were so dominant at first and now they're on a struggle bus. Um, and does this mean that maybe Randy will turn on Riddle or maybe Riddle will turn on Randy and then maybe they'll have a match at WrestleMania, which I wouldn't be too mad about because you have Randy Orton, who is one of the best of the modern era going up against Riddle, who is such a great competitor in terms of what he offers with his, with his mixed martial arts and wrestling background. So I don't know, but that was really cool. Those were the parts I liked about Raw. Now, the parts I didn't like so much about Raw was Nikki, A.S.H., and Rhea fighting for the umpteenth time. Like, a part of me, I want Rhea to fight someone else. And I was hoping, like, maybe the mystery person in the Elimination Chamber probably could have been maybe Raquel Gonzalez. Because a part of me feels like, what else does Raquel Gonzalez have to do in NXT? It's like, she's won the NXT Women's Tag Title. She's been NXT Women's Champion. And I know now she's participating in um, the Women's Dusty Cup with Cora Jade now. But at the same time, girl, what else you got to do? Like, bring her up to the main roster and let Rhea feud with her on Raw. Like, that would be amazing. But it's like Rhea just keeps fighting Nikki A.S.H. And it's just like, okay, how long are we going to keep doing this? 
Like, I'm tired of it, low-key. Like, I want Nikki A.S.H. to fight somebody like Mighty Molly. Like, bring Mighty Molly back. Because her and Nikki had an interaction at the Royal Rumble, which I think is worth, you know, feeding into a little bit. So, if Mighty Molly could come back and fight Nikki A.S.H. and see who's the superior female superhero, then that would be really cool. But, you know, I'm not in charge of this. And another thing I didn't like was Logan Paul being brought in as a part of the Miz's tag team thing feud with the Mysterios. Like, why? Why? I'm sick of Logan Paul. Him and his brother. Like, they're not. They're just not. They're not the best people. They are not the best people. And I guess you're trying to do this to try to pull in social media clout or whatever, but he's just not. And that's all I'm gonna I'm gonna say. And I'm pretty sure you can do a quick Google search to figure out why him and his brother are just not to me. And then last year, he got stunned by Kevin Owens. You would have thought that that would have been it. But uh, <laughs> I guess he's a glutton for punishment. So, yeah, I, that's everything that I liked and didn't like about Raw. Now, in terms of NXT 2.0 and everything I liked about it. Oh, my God. I loved how Cora, Jade, and Raquel were doing their training thing. And they were doing more so of what Cora would have wanted to do. Um, in terms of, you know, doing zip lining and rock climbing and stuff like that. Which is something that I can definitely picture someone like Cora Jade doing um and Raquel was being very vulnerable with Cora by telling her that she's actually afraid of heights and I thought that was interesting because you would think that someone like Raquel who rides motorcycles and sort of positions herself as such a badass that she wouldn't be afraid of heights but apparently she is and I can I can attest to that I'm a little bit afraid of heights myself but sometimes I just still do stuff for the sake of you know courage sake and living sake just to say I did it but heights are, can be really scary and I totally get that and Cora had the funniest joke when Raquel told her that she was afraid of heights and said how are you afraid of heights you are the height because Raquel is a tall girl so <laughs> that was funny but it was good to see them you know rock climbing together and doing zip lining because zip lining is fun I've actually I actually did that years ago at Girl Scout camp with my cousins I wasn't ever a Girl Scout but they were they I guess they had like a thing where you could bring guests or whatever and my cousins brought me to Girl Scout camp and we did zipline it and it was fun so yeah that was fun to sort of see them do that so it was cool um also another thing that I liked about NXT 2.0 this week was the fact that Toxic Attraction um had their own toxic lounge while they were watching um the women's dusty cup to see who's going to qualify later on um to face Gigi and JC for the women's tag team titles and I loved how Mackenzie Mitchell who was like their backstage interviewer correspondent um was sitting in the lounge with them and she had on this really cute outfit that almost gave off the impression that she could join them at any point like that was really cute I was just like girl you look cute why don't you join <laughs> but then again Mackenzie doesn't give off toxic vibes to me so it's okay then I also liked when um the NXT North American champion Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams came out there and Trick Williams came out there dressed in a very beautiful HBCU proud jacket and also I want to say congratulations to him because he um got engaged I believe a week ago to his fiance and they were a beautiful couple um they posted on the socials and everything so congratulations to him she is so lucky because he is um 
hot but <laughs> yeah like congratulations to him and just the fact they came out there in their hbcu jackets it was just really cool to see that type of representation on um nxt television that was cool and then i also loved how pete dunn came out there and talked smack to them in his own cool little british birmingham uk kind of way like what are you on <laughs> like it's just so cool i love it i love peter um and then something else that i really loved about nxt 2.0 was the debut of nikita lyons and the craziness on social media because of it that ensued because of her debut um Nikita Lyons is a really great athlete. I want to say that and I want to say that and, you know, stand on that because a lot of what was going on on Twitter was the fact that a lot of men were going crazy because of how good she looked. And don't get me wrong. Nikita Lyons is a beautiful woman. She is thick and she's gorgeous. You know, she has a beautiful face, beautiful hair, like everything about her is beautiful and her gear and stuff. It's like it's really cute like is she sort of comes out looking like a secret agent like it's giving Laura Croft or you know like La Femme Nikita like the old tv show or something like that like she just looks like a secret agent in a stealthy outfit and it's cool and then she has all this kickboxing and um experience and stuff like that like she's a really solid athlete in that ring and she did a good job you know in terms of her debut but everybody was losing their mind over her yams <laughs> like seriously like it was all about her yams and a lot of people you know took didn't take too kindly to that because a lot of people were talking about all the other women in wrestling who have yams or whatever and stuff like that but at the same time you have to understand men are gonna be men <laughs> And women are going to be women, of course, if you're into women, if you're a woman and you're into women, you know, men and women are going to be women. And it's just if someone's beautiful and if someone's attractive or curvaceous in that way, and if that's their type and if it's on a national platform, they're going to talk about it in that way. So, I mean, Nikita Lyons is yamtastic. Like she's Miss Ma'am with the yams. That's my new nickname for her because everybody just went nuts for her. And it was just so funny to me. But yeah, she's also a really solid athlete and she could very well, you know, go far in wrestling, you know, with that. So her debut was solid. Her athleticism was solid and she looked good doing it. So that's okay. Miss Ma'am with the yams. And of course, at the end of NXT 2.0, they had their match, um, Dolph Ziggler versus Tommaso Ciampa to um, become the number one contender for the NXT championship and this match was really good from top to bottom is what you could expect from an nxt level show and Dolph Ziggler is someone who deserves more praise you know for everything that he does in terms of wrestling because he's such a good wrestler right like his athleticism and everything he's accomplished in the wwe it's really great and it stands to reason that he kind of deserves this opportunity to fight for this title that he never really fought for before in terms of nxt um it's really interesting though that he you know was doing such a good job in this match against someone like Ciampa but yet he decided to utilize his dirty dog brother Bobby Roode to cheat like that sucked I was just like bro like why did you have to cheat like you didn't have to cheat but it's whatever and now it's going to be a tag team match between the dirty dogs and Ciampa and I believe Braun Breaker you know this coming week on NXT so that was okay 
But I have to talk about something really deep that I hated on NXT 2.0 that I'm really starting to resent, um, not only just in wrestling, but just across the board in pop culture as a whole, even on TikTok. Um, of course, they have this tag team in the form of Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen. And something that they've been sort of struggling with is sort of getting, I believe, is Brooks Jensen to try to ask out Caden Carter because he has a huge crush on her. And this week they had them, you know, do like a video thing like for dating apps or whatever. And one of them and, you know, Brooks Jensen had to talk about, you know, who he is you know in terms of this dating app I've never participated in dating apps I don't know what that struggle is like but I'm sure it is kind of awkward to sort of put yourself out there online like that and in some cases it can be very risky but something that I hate that they're doing with both of these characters is just the fact that since excuse me since one of them I really believe it's either is Brooks Jensen it's like since one of them is from Alabama which is where I'm from as well they keep making jokes they keep making incest jokes it is the most annoying thing on the planet when you are from Alabama and you watch stuff on television that includes Alabama and of course you know they use southern people you know and sometimes southern black people southern white people whatever but mostly when it comes to southern white people they always use the joke of incest and it's just like it's so annoying like I understand that Alabama at times can be on the struggle bus when it comes to various things like um politics and holding itself back and not letting itself move forward like you know our struggles with education and our struggles with various other things um and sometimes it feels like one two of the things that we excel in the most or at least three of the things we excel in the most is either wrestling or definitely football because you know crimson tide tends to be dominant in college football seasons almost all the time i get that and we tend to be dominant in music too because hello muscle shoals hello pastor mike hello Flo millie hello um alabama shakes and britney howard hello gucci man even though he doesn't want to claim it um i mean we tend to be successful in a lot of different other areas but and even in wrestling too you have teddy long you have sensational sherry you have bray wyatt who went to college at troy university you have like so many various other people in wrestling who've made history you know from alabama and then you of course you have me you know because me but the idea that y'all in pop culture keep make coming up with incest jokes as the only thing for you to talk about in terms of alabama is really getting old and i'm sick of it i am so sick of it and if you ever hear me like talk about it or if you hear and if this clip goes to like circulating or something else like that where you hear me talking about how much I hate 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 incest jokes in in Alabama like if you're a comedian or if you're anybody else on social media who make jokes about Alabama find something else to joke about because we are way more the people of Alabama are way more awesomer than just your stupid incest jokes like we're awesomer than that we are cooler than that i'm cooler than that so stop it find something else to joke about like it's annoying as f like i'm sick of it 
I'm sick of the incest jokes. And if anybody, if I ever go out of the state of Alabama and travel out of the state of Alabama and tell anybody in the wrestling business that I'm from Alabama and y'all hit me with an incest joke, I'm going to walk away from you immediately in that conversation. I'm sorry, but I genuinely try to be positive in a lot of the time when it comes to wrestling. But if I ever go up north or anywhere and y'all do an incest joke at me, I will walk flat away from you. And probably, and maybe depending on what mood I'm in, I might just cuss you out. I might do it because I'm sick of it. Find something else to joke about when it comes to Alabama. Find something original. Like we originated white barbecue sauce. Talk about that. We have great people that come here from Alabama in spite of it being ratchet sometimes. Talk about that. Talk about something else. Anything else except incest. Please. Jesus. Either way, <laughs> that's something I didn't like that happened on NXT 2.0. But moving on, um, there's something that I really liked on AD- AEW Rampage. I loved Orange Cassidy's rap battle against the acclaimed. And that entire segment, it made me laugh so hard (laughs) it made me laugh so hard how the acclaimed was making fun of him and saying that he didn't have any black friends and talked about him and said he looked like Malcolm Macklemore or whatever and then when he got when they got to the ring and started fighting with each other um they gave him the microphone to try to do some rap stuff and Orange Cassidy always doing the bare minimum was like yo yo and then he kicked one of them, you know, out of the ring or whatever. He was just like, word to your mother. <laughs> and it was just so funny. Like, I hollered when they had it. I was just like, Orange Cassidy won a new fan in terms of that. I mean, because he's a great wrestler, but his character, like, it just cracked me up Friday night. I love it. Then I also liked the Thunder Rosa Britt Baker contract signing, even though... I felt like Britt Baker was always was given more to say in order to diss Thunder Rosa and Thunder Rosa didn't hit her hard like didn't hit her hard with the words and that made me say it because I was just like Thunder Rosa you've done amazing stuff inside and outside of AEW too why don't you use that and you know and beat her and beat Britt Baker back with her words because Britt Baker was talking about her on the microphone and saying like I built AEW while you were out you know wrestling in other places that basically don't even matter and stuff like that and I'm sitting here like girl don't do that Thunder Rosa is an NWA women's champion like and she's a champion in other places as well like don't do that like she works hard to put women's wrestling out there with mission pro wrestling don't do that to her like it was just horrible and i can't wait to see Britt baker lose i'm calling it right now i really feel like thunder rosa is going to take the title off of Britt baker because i'm just tired of Britt. i'm sick of her um so something that i didn't like about AEW rampage was Andrade and his dumbed down performance in his match against Sammy Guevara for the TNT title at the very beginning of the show. Like Sammy Guevara, you know, is a good wrestler in terms of his, you know, high flying, you know, offense and stuff like that. But there have been times where I've seen Andrade do high flying stuff too, even though he's built more like a heavyweight. And for him to kind of like, it felt like he was dumbing that down for the sake of Sammy, Sammy Guevara. And that disappointed me. Like, I hated Andrade's performance in that match. Like, the match was itself wasn't necessarily bad. But I just wanted Andrade to put, put, put up more of a fight and show that he's just as even 
with Sammy Guevara in terms of his high-flying work as well. Like, they're both lucha. So if they're both lucha, it needs to be, you know, not a lucha-heavy match, but at least show that you can, you know, keep up with him. Like, keep up with Sammy. Like, Andrade, do better. Like, I just want better for Andrade. Like, he deserves so much more. And his performance in that match disappointed me. Um, so, yeah. Now, in terms of what I liked on SmackDown, however... I loved Ronda Rousey's motivations for why she decided to come back um, to WWE in terms of being a hero for her daughter and proving that you can do it all. Just like her mom did um, when she wanted a championship, I believe, in judo, while also being a single mom and taking care of her and her siblings. Um, because, of course, Ronda's father passed away. Um, and I thought that story was really good. The only thing that I felt weird about was the fact that... Um, Rhonda was saying all this stuff but didn't say it with a whole lot of passion like she was talking like 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 it was like a dead conversation of whatever or whatever with Michael Cole um but I still liked her motivations behind what she why she came back and won a Royal Rumble so that was cool um and I also loved how Pat McAfee held it down on commentary by himself while Michael Cole was interviewing Rhonda in the ring like he showed that he could really he really can't hold it down you know words wise like I love Pat McAfee and everything that he does for wrestling like he's amazing um and I also loved the announcement that he's gonna have Vince McMahon on his own show the Pat McAfee show like that's cool and it's also really rare because Vince McMahon really doesn't do interviews like that but the fact that he's able to do that and do it you know on his show that's a really big get for pat mcafee so congratulations you know to pat mcafee and all of his success i love him he's hilarious and i wish him nothing but the best um i also love the match between the new day and los lotharios this match was really good and i also want to give a big ups to kayla sparks for being the girl that los lotharios decided to kiss on the kiss cam while also being on um rampage and fighting <laughs> as well like that wrestling magic is really cool y'all so i thought that was cool so their match was fantastic and the new day came out the victor and i love that new day came out the victor on the same day that wwe released um the interview that brian saxton moderated with bobby lashley kofi and big e as black champ black wwe champions of the modern era like if you haven't checked that out on youtube i definitely recommend you do check that out because byron saxon did a really great job moderating it and you know just hearing you know how bobby biggie and kofi felt winning those titles and what those days were like for them and what it made them feel like and what in terms of validating you know um black athletes in that way was really good so please check that out on youtube if you already haven't but it was great to see them have a stellar match with Los Lotharios. Um, so yeah, that was good. And I loved seeing Shotzi again on television because I missed her. But she's been going through a lot of stuff um, in dealing with the death of um, her father. And she paid tribute to him, you know, and her stepfather as well, using his using her wrestling gear in her match versus Sasha Banks, who returned in her Sailor Moon gear. Um, and this match was pretty good. It was relatively short, but it was still good nonetheless. And Sasha Banks shows us that she is forever the women's wrestling goat because she utilized this move I'm calling the rocking code breaker until, of course, they decide to name it something else. But yeah, she utilized the rocking code breaker and then made um, Shotzi tap out with the bank statement. And then 
um naomi was on commentary during the match and she watched the match or whatever and then she announced that her and sasha were going to be challenging um carmella and queen zelina her royal highness for the women's tag team titles now i don't know if this is going to take place at wrestlemania or not but i am excited about them getting back together as a tag team i'm happy that now naomi is has shaken the demon of Sonya Deville off and now going for something else another title in the form of the tag titles I'm definitely here for it even though a part of me feels selfish and kind of wanted for Cameron to kind of come back and then and then win the titles as the Funkadactyls or whatever but it's okay her and Sasha are a really good tag team because it gives off team bad vibes you know from 2015-2016 like that's gonna be really cool so I'm really happy that they're getting together as this tag team I was so stuck on that that I couldn't even focus on anything else I was so happy um and then something that I didn't like about Smackdown lastly was Sonya Deville continuing to play second fiddle even though she's an authority figure girl you're playing yourself off as Charlotte Flair's muscle to try to beat up on Ronda Rousey and she beat up on Ronda Rousey after she did her promo and then after Charlotte came out and antagonized Ronda Rousey and then Sonya proceeded to beat up on her and then Charlotte beat up on her and everything and it was almost like she was just acting like a hired gun and then she went backstage and Adam Pierce told her you know you keep abusing your power so now I'm gonna put you in a match versus Ronda Rousey next week in Miami Florida and like Sonya looked like she wasn't bothered but then you know deep down inside she probably was bothered but it's just Sonya she does nothing but prove that she's nothing but more than a mediocre second fiddle to a bigger star it's just like you played second fiddle to Mandy Rose you played second fiddle um to freaking Charlotte Friday night it's like you keep bullying Naomi because of her supposed main character energy because she's not a second fiddle to nobody it's just and now you're beating up on Ronda Rousey and then you kept calling her a loser while you were beating up on her as if Ronda Rousey isn't more successful than you in terms of MMA and the UFC like literally during Michael Cole's interview with Ronda he mentioned all of Ronda Rousey's accomplishments she's been a raw women's champion she won a Royal Rumble she participated in the main event the first female main event at Wrestlemania she's the first woman to ever be inducted in the UFC Hall of Fame she was the first women's bantamweight champion in the UFC she has done all of these things she's even been to the Olympics for judo she did all of that what has Sonya Deville done besides play second fiddle I'll wait nothing so I'm sick of her I'm sick of Sonya I'm sick of her and I hope that Ronda Rousey stomps her face in in Miami Florida my deepest regret is the fact that we don't get to see it in Birmingham because they're coming to Birmingham the week after they're in Miami Florida but at least at the same but at least I'll be able to see her beat her behind it's whatever so that's all of what I loved and didn't like so much <laughs> about wrestling this week and now we're gonna go to the conclusion all 
right so thank you for listening to this new episode of the hardy wrestling podcast as usual know that you can follow me your girl stephanie hardy on instagram and twitter at queen steph hardy and you can follow the um, podcast on instagram at hardy wrestling podcast and on twitter at hardy wrestle pod of course i plan on having another episode next week because there's just a lot of high octane stuff going on in wrestling in terms of the road to wrestlemania and aw revolution and stuff like that there's just a lot of stuff popping off so i'm going to try to be as consistent as i possibly can with these episodes and i hope you've been enjoying my posts for black history month i know they've been a little bit more sporadic this year um but at the same time i still hope that i did what i could to pay tribute to all you know if well not all but if not you know a really good bit of people who have made black history and are continuing to make black history in wrestling and it's kind of hard because there's so many people and there's only 28 days in february it's a short month so i try to do the best i could but of course next month is women's history month so that's gonna be cool too so i'm hopefully gonna do some stuff with that as well but like i said i'm also busy with women's wrestling talk stuff as well we're doing stuff um after shows and also preparing for wrestlemania season so it's just a lot going on but i hope you can continue to stick with me and the hardy wrestling podcast and listen to it everywhere you listen to them anchor apple podcast google podcast um iheart radio spotify and also my youtube channel the hardy wrestling podcast please check that out i also have videos of the interviews that i do including my most recent interview with the politician and iwa belladonna champion um dexter roswell and his husband logan who's also training to be a wrestler please check that out if you haven't gotten a chance and check out all my past episodes as well so with that in mind um i also want to talk about something else i loved in wrestling um it has something to do with wrestling and also something disney plus related so if you may or may not know um the proud family louder and prouder came out this past wednesday on disney plus which is basically kind of a reboot of the old proud family series um that was you know going on in our childhoods or whatever and the the gross sisters you know who were like the three the three big blue sisters who were ashy who um were would bully penny proud and the crew out of their money and stuff something interesting happened they noted something that's been played into the first two episodes is the fact that the gross sisters aren't jacking people anymore but they are music artists now like they've started their own record label called hands up cash out um which was basically the inspiration behind the title of this episode hands up yams out but um they noted that they were related to snoop dogg they that snoop dogg is like their cousin who's giving them you know tips on the music business so i made the connection on social media that if the gross sisters are also cousins with snoop dogg then that means they're related to sasha banks so snoop dogg sasha banks and the gross sisters are related because they're all cousins and i feel like that just makes all the sense in the world the proud family is set into a fictional part of california you know snoop dogg is from california you know and they all represent the color blue in various ways including sasha she's originally from california as well so they're just a family of gangsters and i think that's really cool so that was just one more thing i wanted to mention the fact that the gross sisters snoop dogg and sasha banks are cousins so yeah um but that's all for this (laughs) edition of the hardy wrestling podcast and until next time bye y'all Thank you.